What's up, you guys? Welcome to the first official episode of the Height Vision Hoops podcast. I am your host, CRS, and I'm going to be bringing you day-by-day news, analysis, and just straight-up casual talk surrounding the NBA. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I want to take a look at a guy named Chris Paul. Chris Paul comes over from the Los Angeles Clippers to play with James Harden and the Houston Rockets. And this is supposed to be an upgrade for the team, obviously. And it was. This team, they were up three they were up three to two against the Golden State Warriors, who had Kevin Durant on the team. And unfortunately, they were never able to get over that hump of beating the Warriors. Uh and even in that one series where they went twenty seven straight missed threes. And you know, that 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 was just horrific. But looking at that Houston team they wanted to make some upgrades, so what did they do? They sent Chris Paul out to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who did they get in exchange? They get Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, a former teammate of James Harden, a lot of people during uh, the offseason last year, a lot of NBA fans and anal- analysis, believed that this was a huge upgrade for the Houston Rockets. And in my in my eyes, it is somewhat. But looking at what this team was doing over the season... Keep in mind, they went fully committed in on small ball. And there was a lot of doubters for this team. Um, Just looking at how they're going to... Just thinking about how they were going to match up with the likes of Anthony Davis, uh, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, whatever it was, any of these guys in the Western Conference um, that they were going to play. We, any of the... Excuse me, any of the teams that we saw... Houston was potentially going to play in the playoffs. We felt as if this was a mistake on Houston's end. Um, But going small ball is something that was able to open up the floor for guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden to thrive completely. Playing with bigs just wasn't something that Mike D'Antoni thought that, you know, thought would work for these guys. Spacing the floor. You know, we're, we're playing, we're in a new game. We're in a new era of basketball where... Small ball is a thing. P.J. Tucker, I believe. I believe P.J. Tucker is 6'6 or 6'7. He's the tallest player that they have in their lineup. He's he's essentially their center. Uh, And a lot of people were were, were putting doubts on Houston. And some of it was warranted. But let's take a look at this series they had. Early in the playoffs, it's the first round. They're going up against none other than Chris Paul and the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's almost like a a storyline here. That's uh that's part of a that's part of a comic book or something, a part of a movie. So looking at this game seven, uh and yes, the Oklahoma City Thunder and Houston Rockets go to game seven. They play game seven, uh, and a game that's supposed to be Rockets at home, uh, but of course it's in the bubble. And there was a lot of doubt going into this game for Houston. Oklahoma City just never gave up. They never gave up in this series and they kept pushing. They were never even supposed to be here according to probability, uh, excuse me, probability and everybody else's uh, predictions. Nobody would assume that the Oklahoma City Thunder would push this Houston Rockets team who had James Harden and Russell Westbrook to seven games. Russell Westbrook was out for the first few games, but uh, he made his return and played three games in this series. The Rockets were 2-1 and one with Westbrook in this series. Um, and looking at this game seven here, uh, Russ, Russell Westbrook started off strong, and he, to me, was the X factor in this game. He didn't play well in Game Six. He had a lot of costly turnovers, and uh, he essentially, he made you know 
you one may argue that Russell Westbrook lost that game for the Houston Rockets. Uh, with their chance to close it out and move on to the second round to play none other than the Los Angeles Lakers, Houston just wasn't able to get over the hump. OKC was just playing too strong and making a lot of clutch plays, led by Chris Paul, led by the guy that they traded for Russell Westbrook. This was an insane storyline building up. But I think Russell Westbrook definitely is that X factor for this team. And, you know, looking at this game seven, he was. He had to come out and play well. If if he didn't play well this game, the, the Rockets would have been eliminated. Luckily, the Rockets were able to win. But looking at the overall aspect of this game, we saw a, a, we saw a young kid named Lou Dort playing great defense on James Harden throughout this series. He stepped up. His teammates trusted him. He, you know, his teammates motivated him. Billy Donovan was putting him out there to guard James Harden. He did a phenomenal job on James Harden. James Harden's going to play at least well in almost every game. You know, he'll give you at least more than 15. Um, and in this game seven, he didn't play well. But Dort was able to slow him down and give the Oklahoma City Thunder that advantage. Uh, James, well, you know, once James Harden gets hot and going, there's really not much you can do. And Lou Dort was he was able to prove that today and in this series in general. He scored 30 points today, Lou Dort, and he's the youngest player to score 30 points in the game seven. He's at the age of 22. Not even LeBron was able to do that. But looking at Lou Dort playing defense on James Harden, he did it exceptionally well. It affected this series uh, a lot, and I'm going to dive deep into this more later when I'm talking about the Rockets going up against the LA Lakers in the next round. Houston found some great contributions. Uh, you know, they got a guy like Robert Covington who hit six threes today. Um, you know, picking this guy up uh, was definitely a great move for Houston when they were going in their small ball lineup. Robert Covington is, uh, you know, a long player. His wingspan is able to get into the, the, you know, at least affect some of the shots that the centers or bigger players put up in the paint. Uh, you saw him getting a little bit at Steven Adams. Uh, same thing. And, you know, you have, they have a guy like Jeff Green on the team who's able to complement that small ball lineup with his length. So Houston made some great decisions in getting guys like this to contribute to their small ball game. The fact that they have guys who can hit threes, guys who can score and drive in, is really good for this Houston team. But sometimes looking at that bench squad, it looks like, it just looks like they're, you know, a lot, a few guys in the pickup game at the YMCA or something. A lot of the, a lot of the work goes on Harden here, and especially Westbrook. And Westbrook coming back from his injury was very sloppy. He played exceptionally well today, twenty points, nine rebounds, and I think he was the X factor. If Westbrook was to shoot worse, he shot nine for twenty, about forty-five percent from the field. If he was to shoot worse than that, I think Oklahoma City would be going up against the Lakers on Friday. Russell Westbrook was the X factor here. And looking at this Oklahoma City team, uh, you know, where do they go from here, you know? I think this team is, they have, they don't have much to worry about. Uh, you know, looking at Chris Paul, we want to we wanna see what his, his feelings and decisions are going to be. Uh, you know, if I had to recommend anything, I think Chris Paul should stay on this team. Uh, he played very well. He was a great leader. Like I would like to 
quote Charles Barkley on this. Chris Paul is the best leader in the NBA, uh, hands down. Uh, and looking at the way this team was playing, looking at the way they were willed, they were playing with energy. These guys really wanted to win, and you could see that. You could see that in the post-game interviews. Chris Paul was very emotional. Lou Dort was on the verge of being emotional. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys on this team are young, and Chris Paul is doing a great job of teaching them uh everything that he could about basketball, or at least to be a successful NBA player. Looking at Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who they received from the Clippers, uh, throughout the series, he showed great flashes of being a clutch shooter. Uh, he hit a couple three-pointers late in games in this series to put OKC in position to win. And I think his game is developing. I think he plays... Uh, I think he plays very casual and laid back, but as he's going to get, uh, you know, as he's going to grow into this uh, stronger player over the years, I think Shai is definitely somebody that you'll see in the future to be a star in this league. Um, only problem with the Thunder in Game 7 here was that they just shriveled. They didn't play well against the Houston defense late. And it was very surprising because the Oklahoma City Thunder are one of the most uh, efficient teams when it comes to playing in the clutch. Whenever they have a, they have the most, uh, they actually have the most wins in the NBA this season when the game is close or when they're when they're when they're excuse me when they're losing for three quarters. The Oklahoma City Thunder have the most wins in the NBA. So it just goes to show you that they essentially they're comeback kings and it was looking like that today they grabbed a little bit of a lead going up against uh, Houston late in the fourth and it looked like they were gonna go ahead and win this series and it looked like Chris Paul was gonna come back and just knock Houston out in the first round after they traded him I don't know if you saw but when Chris Paul was staring at James Harden in game six at the free throw line you know that that was that was something that you want to put on a painting. <laughs> Chris Paul looking at Chris Paul do that was just it just went to show you how much these guys and how you know how much the, the Oklahoma City Thunder were putting in to win this series. Chris Paul is a bulldog. I'll quote Stephen A. Smith on that. Chris Paul is a bulldog, great leader, and he showed it here after a year of facing scrutiny and hearing people. Talk about how, how much of a bad teammate he is. Uh, you know, it was it was it was heartbreaking to see Chris Paul go through that, and he proved that he was a he was still one of the great players even at 35, and a great leader in the NBA. Looking at this 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 win for Houston, it means a lot for James Harden, and definitely it means a lot for Russell Westbrook. This is Russell Westbrook's first time making it out of the first round since 2016. And looking at the last few clutch moments over the years for James Harden, I mean, it's been it's been up and it's been quite up and down for him. James Harden has a reputation of not showing up in uh, clutch moments in the past few years. Um, to be fair to James Harden, you know, we're, these guys, the Rockets, were going up against the likes of Golden State most of the time. In 2017, they faced off against the Spurs uh, and lost there. But looking at what they had to deal with with Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green. Those guys were really tough to beat. They were nearly unbeatable virtually. 
So in fairness to James Harden, he did go up against some tough teams in the playoffs. But he was 10 for 37 in the last three elimination games uh, that he played. So there was definitely a lot of talk about Harden and if he was going to be able to get over this hump. And even though today in this game seven, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, he only had 17 points, but he did lot tally nine assists and about four or five rebounds. Um, so definitely not a great game for somebody with the, who who has the skills like James Harden. But late in the game, he blocks a Lou Dort three-pointer with four seconds remaining in the game. And... He he just stepped up on defense. This Houston defense just stepped up. You saw Russell Westbrook active with his hands. Robert Covington active on his feet. James Harden active on his feet. James Harden made a great play at the end of the game. He was if if James Harden was going to move away from Stephen Adams late with five six seconds left, Stephen Adams would have had an easy layup. But once Chris Paul passed this ball out to Lou Dort for the three pointer, who was Lou Dort was hot today from the three. He had to make that decision there, and he made a great defensive play. He essentially might have saved this series for Houston. And even though he he even admitted it at the end of the game, he said, I played like expletive. S-H-I-T is what he said. <laughs> said it on live television. And, you know, he admitted that, but he had to make a great defensive play. And I think we're seeing James Harden evolve. And this team has confidence going into the next round against the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's definitely going to be an interesting series. Uh, the Rockets played well on defense, and I think their confidence is boosting. And we'll see how they fare up against the Lakers. But let's talk about Miami here. Miami is now up 2-0 against the the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks. Miami's playing insanely well against this team and throughout the season they were successful against the Bucks as well but when you look at regular season versus playoffs there's always a different dynamic there the playoffs is always slowed down it's not always the same as regular season guys could be injured you could be playing off the night of a back-to-back so all of those factors weigh in when it comes to a season series record but Miami seems to defy that Miami seems to say forget about all that talk Miami's up 2-0 against the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks. This is a shocker, and not not a lot of us were gonna even believe that they could go up 2-0. Obviously, there's still you know you still have to win two more games. The series is not over. Um, Miami players may not even be satisfied. Uh, you know, not until they get that fourth win. And Milwaukee's definitely gonna have something to say about that. Game three is gonna be very interesting to watch. Um, but what I think Miami is doing well here, they're building a wall that forces Giannis into unfamiliar positions. Normally, not Giannis can run ar- run around the side behind the three-point line and grab the ball and make a play. He'll have a pick set for him and all of that. But Jay Crowder, on multiple plays in this game, is really getting up into his grill. And he's moving his feet well and moving quick enough with Giannis. I think the, the defense is tiring Giannis out. It allows guys like Jay Crowder to step up on defense. And listen, Giannis is going to get his. There were so many instances where he drove in and he dunked it or laid it up and got an and one. And he willed his team back into this game uh, in the fourth quarter. Giannis made some great plays. But he's going to do that with his greatness. 
as good as a player he is. But the best thing you can do if you're Miami is to continue to build this wall, to slow him down a bit. Giannis is still going to play well. He's still going to probably get 20 points, plus 20 points, uh, maybe double-digit rebounds, double-digit double assists, but you have to slow him down. You have to find ways to make Giannis play uncomfortably. But this Miami Heat team, you have to give them credit. Jay Crowder, Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, they stay very active and confident, these guys. They don't seem to back down from any of the challenges that are thrown their way. They they look like they're just playing a regular team in their mind. You know, not, not the number one seed like we all see it because the Milwaukee Bucks are a dangerous team. But for them to be up 2-0 puts them in a great position. But they're going to have to continue to figure out how to build that wall around Giannis and how to make adjustments. Because being down 2-0, I know Mike Budenhoser, great coach that he is, guys like Giannis, Chris Middleton, Wesley Matthews, George Hill, DiVincenzo, all of these guys are ballers. And they're not playing the same way that they played throughout the season. But give credit to that Miami defense continuing to build that wall around Giannis and staying active with their hands, forcing turnovers. That's what they want. That's what you have to do against a team like Milwaukee. Because if Milwaukee gets turnovers off of you, they're gonna capitalize on that. Once you see Giannis running down that floor, it's either gonna be a foul, a dunk, a layup, or he's gonna pass out to a three pointer in the wing. Luckily, sometimes you might get some of those turnovers. You might force a turnover, and that's what Miami is doing well. Pretty sure that Eric Spolstra is breaking down that film, looking into things, and the culture that you have in Miami, the defense, the heart, the passion. That's why I think a guy, when, when, you know, when, you went, excuse me, <laughs> when Jay Crowder was picked up by the Miami Heat, I thought it was one of the best moves that they could have had. One of the greatest moves this season for a team he embodies that culture he's a great defensive player he can hit the three and he can be streaky at times not really a great three-point shooter not really a great scorer but Jay Crowder at times will give you he can give you 20 plus but you can you can definitely depend on Jay Crowder guys like that or definitely a guy like Bam Adebayo who's young and who's playing in this playoff series and Tyler Harrell as well, Robinson as well. These guys are young, but they're not stepping. They're not shying away from the challenges. And they're hitting three-pointers. These guys are hitting great shots. I think they fell in love with the three-pointer a little too much throughout the, the, the early in the second half. Uh, they were losing a lot of their energy, and Milwaukee was just capitalizing on that. And they got back into this game after Miami just was walking down the court and throwing up three-pointers. Jay Crowder was cold for a minute there, but you know, once the fourth quarter came, once the game went on, Miami was able to continue to make clutch plays, and they stayed afloat. My only, my only worry about this team is if they don't stay afloat and if they can't find their rhythm from the three-point line, sometimes their offense just looks a little staggered. Uh, there was a play there where Iguodala threw up a shot from, you know, high from the free throw line and it seemed like he was just uncomfortable taking that shot and Iguodala he, he he made the shot you know he's a vet he's been there uh you know obviously his years in Golden State but you can tell there was a bit of a shock for the team on the offensive end and that would be my only worry for Miami you know don't fall in love with the three-pointer if it's not falling 
But the great thing about them is that they kept shooting today and they kept their, their poise and they were able to win because of that. But I do think down the stretch, if you don't find your rhythm, Milwaukee changes up there and 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 if Milwaukee changes up their 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 offensive scheme and if Giannis is just unstoppable this one game if the wall if the building that wall is not working for him in this particular in- instance due to a change of lineup or whatever it may be uh Miami can find themselves in a bit of a, a tight situation there and you know I noticed this they made some costly mistakes late um, Jimmy Butler throwing that, that, that pass that led to a turnover when he was trapped. Brooke Lopez scores on, on, on Goran Dragic there. I think they needed to stay active there, and I'm not sure why Spolster wasn't yelling at these guys to come help Jimmy. He was being trapped, and he was about to fall out of bounds, but you need some active guys there, and you have a lot of young guys on your team who can stay active, and I know they could have did that, but they just seemed to forget in that moment. It might have just been that playoff inexperience by some of their young players, but who knows what it was. The free throws, um, you know, definitely have to knock those down. Uh, those make a difference. Giannis missed some free throws in the end. So as far as it goes for my for for, for the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to need Giannis to make those free throws. You don't want guys following him and sending him to the line late in games because they know he's going to miss. That would be something that would affect this team in the long run for sure, especially if Milwaukee finds a way to make it to the finals and get out of this 2-0 hole. One more thing about Giannis. I think he has to be more aware late in games and make some better decisions, although I think he's playing uh, great still. Uh, He's playing phenomenal. He's being uh, aggressive. He willed it. Like I said earlier, he willed the Milwaukee Bucks back into this game. And you obviously had help from Chris Middleton, who made some good shots late in the game, made those three free throws after the foul by Goran Dragic, which I didn't believe was a foul. That did not look like a foul. Uh, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, <laughs> I think that Dragic did all he could in that situation, put his arm straight up as vertical as possible. And Middleton just found a way to chest bump him somehow and got that foul call and I don't think Milwaukee would have been Milwaukee wouldn't have been in that game in the last few seconds if that foul wasn't called I think Dragic played that well but aside from that Giannis drives in on multiple plays late and he gets that layup he gets that and one He's just playing bully ball down there. As great as Miami's defense is on him, the way that they're able to slow him down, like I mentioned, he's going to get his. He's definitely going to get his. And I think some of the criticism he receiving, he's receiving from some analysts and other players is warranted. But I don't want to I don't I don't agree with the likes of Richard Jefferson who says Giannis is a Scotty Pippen. And listen, Scottie Pippen's a great player, obviously. He was a great player. No disrespect, obviously, to Scottie Pippen. Hall of Famer. You know, great, great, great player. But I think Giannis is just on a different level. And I know he didn't want to guard Butler late in the game, in game one. And then he fouled Butler on that last play, which ended up giving Butler two free throws that won the game for the Miami Heat. He shot two free throws after time expired. Butler is the first play. This is the first time this happened since 1979, 
where a game is ended on walk-off free throws. It almost felt like I was watching an NFL game where there's a field, field goal kick with zero seconds left, win, win or lose. But Giannis definitely made some mistakes there late in, made that mistake there late in the game on fouling Butler. I don't think it affected the shot. It didn't push Butler much. But it's enough to give the referees a reason to call a foul. And I think that after that foul they called on Goran Dragic, it just seemed to offset. The referees weren't really favoring anybody there. Both teams got sort of were given both teams were sort of given fouls there at the end, in my opinion. Um but besides that, you know, it was a, it was an amazing game. This is some of the best basketball I've been I've I've watched in the bubble. This is NBA playoff basketball, and this is what this is what we want to see. Looking at this Bucks team, the X factor to me, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, the X factor for the Bucks is going to be Chris Middleton. He's going to continue. He's going to have to continue to play well if Giannis is going to be running into this brick wall by Miami. They're setting up a brick wall around him, and it's 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 hard for Giannis to 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 be comfortable um, unless he comes out and starts shooting threes. Miami's entire defense is going to have to switch up. It's going to go a little crazy. It's definitely going to go a little crazy, and um, it'll be an exciting series to watch if Giannis is making threes in one of these games. Miami's going to have to make some adjustments. I think Milwaukee already has to make some adjustments. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Game three is coming up. I think Milwaukee's going to win that game. I don't. I can't see them going down 3-0. Um, but looking at Miami, there's a lot. There's a good. There's a really great case there for you to feel like they can go up 3-0. And if they do, you know, no one has ever come back from a 3-0 lead. But I think if there was ever a team that could do it, it may be this Milwaukee Bucks team. But I don't know. That might. That might be a little bit of a long shot there. So we'll see where they go. We'll see where it goes with that. But aside from that. Looking at Miami, they have thirty plus points from three pointers in this game. Uh they're you know, they 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 just have their own rhythm going on and you have Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic. Um obviously I can't forget um everything that's going on with the Bucks defense. Looking at the Bucks defense they you know, Mike Budenhoser likes to send his guys out to crowd the paint. And Miami is doing an excellent job of shooting three-pointers this series. And like I said, sometimes they may fall in love with it. And it could hinder their ability to win games. Um, but Spolster has these guys gunning. He has them, to, he has them keep, keep on shooting to gain that rhythm. To keep themselves afloat. And they found their rhythm there. And they was able to, to execute. So the Bucks defense has to have a better focus on the perimeter if they want to have a chance in this series. Like I mentioned before, we'll, we, they, they may be in a 3-0 hole, but I, I see them winning the next game, making this series 2-1 Miami. Miami has multiple scorers, and that's going to be their advantage. And if those scorers don't score and you have guys like Jimmy Butler or... Adebayo doing a lot of the the workload. I Miami was gonna struggle in game one. Jimmy Butler he had forty. He played well in the fourth and he carried this team, but he only had thirteen points today. But Dragic in the twenties, Adebayo had uh, fourteen, fourteen plus I believe. Uh, Jay Crowder was hitting threes all game. I think he had about sixteen points there, and 
You just don't know who's going to come at you with Miami, and that's their strength. Now, that Bucks defense, if they can control that perimeter defense and continue to play well in that regard, obviously defense creates offense, missed three-pointers, blocks, steals. You don't want, like I said, you don't want to see Giannis on the open floor. So my pick would be Milwaukee Bucks in Game 3. But that's going to conclude it for me. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the Height Vision Hoops podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow the Instagram page. It's simply HVH Podcast. I'm going to be bringing you day-by-day analysis and casual talk. Going to definitely have some guests over in a few episodes to talk straight basketball. And we're definitely really excited for the rest of the playoffs. So it's me, CRS, signing out. Thank you for listening. And enjoy, have a wonderful day or have a wonderful night, whatever time it is you're listening. (laughs) Thank you. Signing out.